Peace be with you, this perfect moment in which you are alive. This weekend is Thanksgiving weekend, and in the southern Ontario part of the world where our churches are located, it is autumn, and a beautiful one it is to be sure. I am Rev. Dr. Candace Bist, and along with my husband Bruce Lee, we serve Trinity United Church and Primrose United Church in the hills of Headwaters. This area is the highest elevation in southern Ontario, the place where the rivers gather and then they flow south to the Great Lakes. It is an area rich in old-growth forests, secret rocky caves, streams, and marvelous places to walk. The Bruce Trail runs through the area, and throughout the COVID pandemic, it has welcomed many people seeking solace and quiet space, and that is certainly something to be so very grateful about. But you do not have to walk in a world biosphere to know the beauty that is around you. It is surrounding, standing at every front door, no matter where that door is, to walk into the sunshine, to gaze out of a window at the changing light of the day, offers up the beauty of the universe if we have hearts open to beauty and willing to see. This is the heart of the Thanksgiving season, to understand what we have in front of us and to be grateful for what we have. Yes, we live in uncertain times, but this is certain. To be grateful for the beauty of nature, to be appreciative for every single relationship we have right now, right here. To love ourselves and to love God and to love others. This is the fullness of life and it is offered every day to us mercifully with no trace of yesterday upon it. Let us gather in gentleness and surround ourselves with grace this very hour. Divine 
traditional church language, services begin with what we designate as a call to worship. This is really just something that is reflective, that attempts to draw us away from the sorrows we bear in the moment, or the worries that are plaguing us. It is not that we do not acknowledge the worry or the sorrow or the anxieties, for no doubt they are giving us important information, but we lay them down Put them aside so that our bodies and minds and spirits may rest from worldly concerns and we can bask in the warmth of divine affection. To worship is to live in the land of awe and wonder of all the magnificence of God that is not us, that we did not create and nor do we control. And on this Thanksgiving weekend, we are particularly grateful for the beauty of the world and the season and the wonderful design of families that draw us together even when we are physically apart. Our call to worship this morning is from a well-known Thanksgiving hymn. Let all things now living a song of thanksgiving to God the Creator triumphantly raise, who fashioned and made us, protected and stayed us, who guided us on to the end of our days. His banners are o'er us, his light goes before us, a pillar of fire shining forth in the night, till shadows have vanished and darkness is banished as forward we travel from light unto light. His law he enforces, the stars in their courses, and sun in its orbit obediently shine, the hills and the mountains, the rivers and fountains, the deeps of the ocean proclaim him divine. We too should be voicing our love and rejoicing with glad adoration a song let us raise till all things now living unite in thanksgiving to God in the highest, Hosanna and praise. Let us pray together. Gracious one, God of all time and matter and mysteries beyond our comprehension. It is a strange thing that we do, standing before you, gathering together in groups here and there, longing to bring you our foolishness and our hopes and our dreams, hopefully to be humbled, by the enormity of your love that pours down upon us and of which, so often, we are simply unaware. But here and now, we stop to try and grasp its wholeness and the wonder of its gift. May your love spill over us, washing away any thoughts unkind or unuseful, 
so that we may better help and serve one another, as our precious Jesus showed us how to do. We may not always get it right, but you do. So we tuck ourselves under your wing and wait for instructions to fly, knowing you will not send us out without the strength and ability to see our work done. Thank you for every blessing of this day and all the blessings still yet to come. Amen. Many of you in the local neighborhood will know of the sad news of Gary Shaver's passing and will have Jennifer in your thoughts and prayers. Jennifer and Gary both always exhibited that gentle spirit that emerges when gratitude is foundational in a person's life. Gary had been unwell quite some long time, but he was always thinking of others not wanting to make a fuss, so sweet in his interactions with everyone, and always, always, always grateful for the very day of life in which he lived. Gary really did exemplify what it means to be a Christian, which was his faith of birth and of devotion also. We have spoken often in the last year on the importance of gratitude as a spiritual practice, something that we are conscious of in order to strengthen our spiritual core. And certainly, this is the main theme of Thanksgiving. But with Jennifer and Gary so much on my mind this last week, I want to draw your attention to another spiritual practice which the Shavers so beautifully embodied, devotion. Jennifer's devotion to her husband and his to her, their collective devotion to the core values of the Christian faith, compassion and grace have uplifted us all, modeled for us what it means to be a person of the way, and the way, of course, is love. We need role models now more than ever, with so much stumbling around in the dark, in the news, and on the television we need real, live people in our everyday lives that are trying to do things differently, trying to extend grace to all people, mining the depths of devotion by their constancy of heart. When one loves another person deeply, there is God. When one loves another deeply, there is wonder. And there is awe. And it makes of the lover something new, something shiny, some kind of loveliness that walks about and brings with it an untouchable veil of beauty. This is what devotion is. There is no fear within it, only love and grace and beauty. So our deep gratitude to Gary and to Jennifer for showing us what devotion looks like 
every day as they have lived out that devotion before us these last years. May we have learned well and replicate their graciousness in our own lives. When one among us dies, it brings to mind our own mortality, and that is not necessarily a bad thing, for it is good to contemplate, yes, even in the midst of the beauty of this Thanksgiving weekend, our own death and our dying, and the fact that one day we will simply no longer be here in this world. Henry Thoreau, a great lover of the beauty of nature and an observer of life and death, contemplated all these matters in a simple reflection that offers the falling leaves as our teachers in the grace of dying, in walking as a form of devoted meditation, and in the gift of seeing beauty all around us. I offer it as a reflection to Jennifer and to all of us as we ground ourselves in gratitude, look for the beauty around us, and celebrate truly in our hearts the joy of the season and the Thanksgiving weekend. Thoreau wrote this reflection, Autumn Tints, as he lay dying himself of tuberculosis over 150 years ago. He loved nature, particularly the beauty of the fall. He was a transcendentalist, which is closely related to what we see today in the Unitarian faith, though perhaps with a greater passion, spiritual passion, for the richness of the spiritual life. It has shades of the Protestant theologian Immanuel Kant within it, as well as the Upanishads, the sacred texts of the Hindu faith, and throughout it is the very real belief in the inherent goodness of people and nature. October is the month of painted leaves. Their rich glow now flashes round the world as fruits and leaves and the day itself acquire a bright tint just before they fall, so the year near its setting. October is its sunset sky and November the later twilight. It is pleasant to walk over the beds of these fresh, crisp, and rustling leaves. How beautifully they go to their graves. How gently lay themselves down and turn to mold. Painted of a thousand hues and fit to make the beds of us living. So they troop to their last resting place, light and frisky. They put on no weeds, but merrily they go scamping over the earth, selecting the spot, choosing a lot, ordering no iron fence. How many flutterings before they rest quietly in their graves. 
they that soared so loftily, how contentedly they return to dust again and are laid low, resigned to lie and decay at the foot of the tree and afford nourishment to new generations of their kind, as well as to flutter on high. They teach us how to die. Let your walks now be a little more adventurous. Ascend the hills. If, about the last of October, you ascend any hill in the outskirts of our town, and probably of yours, and look over the forest, you may see well what I have endeavoured to describe. All this you utterly, surely will see, and much more, if... You are prepared to see it, if you look for it. Objects are concealed from our view, not so much because they are out of the course of our visual ray, as because we do not bring our minds and eyes to bear on them. For there is no power to see in the eye itself, any more than in any other jelly. We do not realize how far and widely, or how near and narrowly we are to look. The greater part of the phenomenon of nature are, for this reason, concealed from us all our lives. The gardener seems only the gardener's garden. There is just as much beauty visible to us in the landscape as we are prepared to appreciate, and not a grain more. Our first scripture is Psalm 121 in musical form. Thy keeper true, thy changeless shade. 
second scripture comes from the lectionary, and it's a great favorite, and one read on many occasions at weddings, ordinations, and funerals if a person has lived a particularly joyous life. It is written by Paul the Apostle from his jail cell, an important piece of information, because in a jail cell there are few distractions and time to really think deeply. Think on the famous thoughtful writings that have come from Gandhi, from Nelson Mandela, from Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who had time in jail to distill their thinking, to take time to consider, as possibly death awaited them, what was the most important thing to tell people about. Paul is in the same position, and he chooses to tell people about joy, Also note that this piece of scripture is a very real letter written to a very real group of people, the early group of folk who were forming an early Christian contingent in the city of Philippi. And you will note that Paul has a great affection for this group of people. You might say from his language that they are his favorite little church group. The people who assembled the biblical texts have broken the letter up into chapters and verses, But it is really just a continuation of the letter he was writing in what we call chapter 3. So here we have Philippians chapter 4, verses 1 to 8. Therefore, my brothers and sisters whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, my beloved. I urge Eurodia, and Sintat to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you also, my loyal companion, help these women, for they have struggled beside me in the work of the gospel, together with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I will say, rejoice Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, beloved, Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Just as a little side note, which I think is interesting in our current context, 
I read the scriptures from the New Revised Standard Version, which is the one we usually read in the United Church these days. And you will see that the letter reads, Therefore, continuing on his thoughts from the last chapter, My brothers and sisters whom I love and long for. But if you were to read the King James Version, it would read, Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved and longed for. Here is a little lesson in translation, but an interesting one, because it shows us how culture influences our translation of scriptures in very real ways. The Greek word adelphoi appears several times in this epistle. That word is masculine, so a strict translation would be brothers. So in the King James Version of the Scriptures, written in 1611, at the command of the King of England, it translates the word directly, Adelphoi, brothers. So Paul, writing to the church in Philippi, writes, therefore, brothers. But the New Revised Standard Version was written in 1989 and commissioned not by a single person, but by the National Council of Churches. It is a collection of people from a wide variety of Christian denominations, and they had an agenda of inclusive language. They translated Adelphoi, brothers, and sisters, and that is appropriate given the importance of women in the church in Philippi. When Paul first arrived there, his first congregation was a group of women, and his first convert was Lydia. We read about that in Acts 16. In our reading today, he speaks directly to two women. Women were an important part of the early church, just as they are an important part of the church today. And modern translations make allowances for this understanding. Do you see how translation works over time? I hope so. And just to note that the two women that Paul mentions are not mentioned anywhere else in the scriptures, nor is the Clement of whom he speaks. But we can imagine that they were two women in the church who were perhaps having some struggle working together cheerfully. This is a rather lovely reminder that within our church, Paul is reminding us that we must always find ways to get along. 2,000 years have passed and things in some ways do not change. So here is Paul sitting in prison and by the way, they were pretty dank cells back there. Nothing cushy about them at all. And he writes to this small emerging group of people, men and women, who are trying their very best to make sense of what is going on in the world and to follow the teachings of Jesus. Think about the context. Jesus has been crucified. The disciples are working as itinerant preachers mendicants, beggars, trying to tell this story of what it meant for them to live and work and learn from a person, Jesus, who was from Nazareth of all places, a place scoundrels gathered, a place that did not have a high standing in the culture at that time, a backwater. What good could come from Nazareth, the scriptures write, and the people in the day asked what indeed but here is Paul, 
encouraging this little group of people to do what in the middle of grave uncertainty? Be joyful? He is living in the uncertainty of his life and his death. The uncertainty of theirs, for Christians and Jews alike were being punished, crucified, vilified, shoved about, mocked, disparaged. They were the outcasts of society. They had no place in society. They had no fancy buildings, no scripture, no doctrine. They were simply a group who had decided to follow Jesus and his way of love that included everyone, that extended grace to everyone, that embraced everyone, that forgave everything. Paul's words to the church in Philippi in the early first century are the same words I offer you in the year 2020, when things are unsettled, yes, but certainly not any more unsettled than they were to those of the emerging Christian faith so long ago. Paul knew what he was asking, and he asked with the certainty that it would bring contentment to people, and so it does, and so it will. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I will say rejoice, and let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the presence of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. And here is a little country marching tune for you to take with you when you go for a walk this weekend to remember who is in charge of this world. And it's not you, and it's not me. And it's a reminder of who is holding your hand. For when Jesus holds your hand, that is reason to rejoice. And for our dear Jennifer, for you especially, with all our love for the days of walking in the days ahead. Gary may not be there to hold your hand, but Jesus is. I don't know about tomorrow And today I'll walk beside him 
hearts always shine There no tear will dim the eye At the end of the rainbow Where the mountain touches the sky As you will know from last week, both Primrose and Trinity United Churches are physically closed for the time being. This is a reflection of the considered thought from both councils and from those who took upon themselves the job of deciding on when and how our churches will reopen. This decision was not made lightly, and though we grieve the loss of meeting in person, we stand in solidarity with others in our community for the health and safety of everyone. We will, however, be reinitiating our Zoom gatherings of last winter for our Practicing Compassion study. So watch for that in next week's announcements and on the website. It is open to everyone who would like to join us. I will post the Zoom coordinates on our website, shelburneprimrose.com. Though our buildings are closed, the great work continues Prayer, in particular, is so needed at this time. Your prayers are needed at this time. Do not think prayer is unimportant. It is the cornerstone of Christian work. Pray for your churches. Pray for your community. Pray when you wake. Pray when you go to sleep. And this week, in a spiritual exercise, Pray when you walk, remembering who walks beside you, seeing in the fluttering and dying leaves your own inevitable death and the gift that that may yet be to others. The world is filled with wonders and you are one of them. Be blessed and know yourself to be loved. Let us close in prayer together. God of grace and God of gravity, we thank you for the blessing of being able to gather this Thanksgiving weekend, even in this virtual way. We thank you for the many people who through the years have gathered to pray, to keep company with you, to amend their ways, and to offer solace to their community. Grant us many more years of continued service in whatever form that takes. Grant us changed hearts, open to your people, open to service, open to new understandings of you. May we continue to serve as Jesus did, seeing deep into the spirit of others and offering them sanctuary. Hear us now as we pray together that prayer that Jesus taught us. Our Father, 
who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. of the earth for the glory of the skies for the love which from our birth over and around us lies God of all to you we raise this our hymn of grateful praise For the beauty of the hour, of the day and of the night, hill and vale, tree and flower, sun and moon and stars of night. God of all, to you we raise this our hymn of grateful praise. joy of human love, brother, sister, parent, child, friends on earth and friends above, for all gentle thoughts and mild. God of all, to you we raise this high hymn of grateful praise. human and divine flowers of earth 